Well, hello and welcome to the Bomb City Podcast. My name is Nick and this is episode 23, my interview with Ralph, aka 88 Mango from Wild Child House of Style. Ralph is a super talented painter. I'm really, really, really stoked that I finally got a chance to talk to him and to uh, to hear about what's influenced his very unique and bold style. I hope you guys dig it. I know it's been a minute since I, uh, I put one of these out, but thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Ralph, for your time, and I uh, hope you guys dig it. Hey, good afternoon. This is Nick. Yeah, yeah, hey. This is Ralph. Hey, man, how are you? All right, all right. Thanks for the call. So cool, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to you. I, I made like a big list when I first started figuring out who I was going to interview for this podcast, and you were like right up at the top. I was always hoping I'd figure out a way to get down there and do it in person, but I'm, I'm really stoked to at least get to do it by phone. Yeah, well, either way would have been cool. You guys are up in the, the Bay Area, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm up in Oakland. Oh, okay. What is going on with you guys? It's, it's crazy right now. You know, downtown is about the same thing. Even the valley's gotten that bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. We got like it's like 80 mile an hour winds right now. It's blowing fire all over the place. Like there's a, a bridge yeah. up here, uh, Carquinas. Uh, fire started on one side. It jumped over the bridge. And then there's like people stuck in the middle. It's wild. Oh, yeah. So we had our fires here. I mean, we're due for another one in the fire by the next hour. Yeah. We're just so used to it now. <laughs> That's crazy. The first one, like the the power company, has been flipping off the power. So first time they did it, everyone flipped out. Like people stayed home from work, all sorts of shit like that. And now it's like, you check on your phone if it's gonna happen. It's like, all right, it's it looks like it's gonna get flipped off like a few blocks from here. Fuck it, we're good. Just keep going. Don't worry about it. What is, what's the reason for cutting off your guys' power? So, do you remember hearing the the big uh, Paradise Fire up here? Was this this? Yeah, yeah. This huge fire, it like burned this town completely down to the ground, and it it came. Oh, back. that's where the people came out. Yeah, yeah. So it came back on the power company. Like they uh, they had uh, lines and transformers that had problems, started throwing sparks, and started the fire there. So now they're like throwing yeah. a fit, and they'll just turn off everything so they they don't get blamed for it when it starts going. That fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it, it makes sense if you're in the area to get your stuff shut off, but if you're far away from it, like we are here, it's just annoying. They're having issues that same problem as far as uh, more Park near us. Yeah, we shut them off. Where are you out of? I'm in Reseda. Reseda. All right. Yeah, I'm like yeah, I was right in the middle of the valley. Nice. Every time I go down south, I think I figure out where we're at, but it's so spread out compared to the Bay Area. Like when we we went down to uh, to Pomona, we're like, all right, we're gonna hit Pomona, and then we're gonna drive down to the Peterson to go see the exhibit that they had going there. With the well, uh, I forget what it was called. It was like a lowrider art thing. We're like, all right, cool. So it's just like five minutes away, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we were way wrong. Yeah, from there, what are you doing about an hour? Yeah, something like that in, in traffic. traffic yeah, just yeah. inching along. Right on. So, God, it's been a while since I did one of these. I'm kind of rusty. <laughs> it's been a crazy year. Uh, you guys did one with Roger out in Arizona. Oh yeah, man, that was so cool. Yeah, I was able to yeah. to fly out and do that one in person. That was that was a hell of an experience. It was the first time I met him. Very cool guy. Very very nice, humble person. Man, like for like when I was a kid, he was like a larger than life. You know, agnostic firm was a huge deal, and he's just the nicest guy yeah. in the world. Like no pretension, no not stuck up at all. Like I met him for the first time. He showed me like all his his treasures and stuff in the house. It was so rad. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I saw him uh, 
two days ago. He was playing here in, at the Roxy in, in Hollywood. Oh, nice. Yeah, he is one of the nicest people to me. He's always, you know, he'll go greet Vanessa, you know, my girlfriend, and he'd always ask about the kids. It's his very first questions. And then we talk about everything else. That's cool. He's always concerned about everyone and their well-being. Yeah, he's he's a good guy. He's one of the uh, he's one of the real ones, you know. I saw they're playing with the Misfits. That's so rad. Yeah, yeah, but it's only staying on the East Coast, I believe. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. They're in like Pennsylvania, I think. Yeah, the prices for the tickets were insane when they were out here. I'm hearing stories of people paying a couple hundred bucks, wow. but those were all the pre-sales. And when we tried getting some, what were you looking at, George? Maybe twelve hundred bucks. Yeah, it's like, that's a mortgage, man. I ain't, I ain't doing that. Yeah, that's crazy. I'd rather sit there and just listen to records. <laughs> right. That's the one thing about when you go and see a band that, that you really like, but when they've, you know, they're they're old now, like uh, like the Misfits, um, like they played, I, I live out here sort of close to the Coliseum, like we could, you know, hear some noise from the shows out here in the backyard. And I was, yeah. was like, man, it's so fucking expensive to get out there, but it's like, do you want to be there that one night where Danzig gets knocked down again or something? Like, it's like, oh man, I just don't want to be disappointed. You, you know, yeah, when, when those shows came up for sale, and I even told you know uh, my girl like we're gonna go see them. Finally, we're gonna get to see them. And when we saw the prices, you know, well, we have a house, we have two kids now, and you know our our finances just can't go to where they used to before. Sure. And I was like, no. And then we started talking when we first got into punk rock was. You could get into shows with canned food. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you bring the canned food to feed the homeless, and you go to these uh, midday matinees over at Headline Records, <laughs> and these bands would play before the fire department would show up and shut it down. That's right. And uh, equal to a mortgage, it's like, ah, you know, I'd rather buy the set of wheels and go watch this band play now. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how fast that stuff changes. No, yeah, it's, uh, it's not expensive. I mean, you should always treat yourself to things you want. But yeah. Not, not at that cost. <laughs> Who are you guys seeing back then? Uh, back then, it was just local bands. I mean, there was no big bands playing. Every now and then you'd have, uh, like the Attics would play a lot. And then you'd have, here in the Valley, we have the Dickies playing on it. What All was right. that place called, George? Paladinos. Paladinos, yeah. It was right here near the house. And uh, I believe one of them or some some of them owned the joint, so they would you know you'd be a fifteen year old kid sneaking in before you got caught drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the places are gone. All the good places are gone. We had that. We had um, Weber's. Weber's was a, was a good place to go see punk bands play. Uh, you, you'd have a lot of the like the oi bands play there, mm-hmm. but that place was a college joint. It was a honky tonk at one point college joint and shit last i saw it, it was on bar rescue but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no i was just saying about all these clubs are all they're all gone man the valley's changed and i really wish it would have stayed in the time capsule that it was yeah everything's changing out here pretty quickly too like we're in we're in a relatively stable neighborhood it's mostly houses yeah. it's not like there's a bunch of open like warehouses around us but not too far like like i said we're close to the ballpark here and like, mm-hmm. everyone's pulling out right now. Like the Raiders are going to Las Vegas. The A's, I think they're going to move downtown. And right. uh, and Warriors are in San Francisco now. And the whole park over there is this big spot of real estate. It's like, you know, five minutes from the, the bridge to San Francisco. 
and I yeah like some of the plans are to completely develop it like new like live work spaces and stuff like that it's this whole mm -hmm. side of town is going to be completely ass up in a few years I was in, in San Francisco like two months ago and I never do the touristy stuff I think one you know one downtown is going to be like the next downtown yeah. and it really is but we we jumped on the double decker bus and we got the whole inside of the city they were telling us about the prices of the the, the rent by the water and then prices near the tenderloin of all places. Yeah. It's unbelievable what people are paying. Oh, it's, know, in, it's out in, of control. In downtown. Yeah, it's, it's out of control. And you're, you're paying almost $7,000 to just live and step on bum shit as soon as you walk out. Right. And San Francisco is small. <laughs> it's like seven by seven miles. Like it's, it's a, a tiny spot. Uh, there's like the tenderloin. They have like, I forget what they call it, like upper tenderloin or something like that now. Where it's the same. You know, the nicer <laughs> it's just like a fairly gentrified part. There's like a bunch of art studios and coffee places and stuff like that. It's wild. Like not that long ago, like you, you know, you walk down the street, you hop over people shooting up. Like <laughs> it was pretty, pretty intense out there. It's out in the open when I was there. Yeah. It was just like two people. Even at the park. What's that park called right in the center of town? Uh, like Golden Gate Park. Is that that's what it's called? It. Yeah. Like they're they're living in the forest and all. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, because we, we have a reserve here, not too far from us, and they're always burning that place up. That's crazy. We were in San Francisco a weekend or two ago. Oh, there was a, a exhibit that, uh, it was like an Ed Hardy exhibit. It was pretty rad. It was at the end of Golden Gate Park there at the museum. And yeah, we, yeah. I mean, I hadn't been to San Francisco in a long time. I went to school there, but I went to school, like, it's SF State. It was in South, like, almost Gold, in, uh, Daly City. So I'd pass through the yeah. whole city and I hadn't driven through it in a while, but man, it's like everything is developed. Everything's a million stories to high. Like you can hardly recognize the skyline now. Yeah. I went up there the first time in 2007 and we, we stayed in Oakland. We, I was working for a set company. I had, I closed up a shop that my, I was renting from my dad and jumped into the studio stuff, which is, you know, it's a better move. And they shipped us out to Oakland, and there was a small record store there, and that's where I started to pick up all the oi stuff. Because out here, you really can't find it. People are yeah. not into it. Huh. There's headline records, and we had Tang records, but Tang had moved up to uh, San Diego, yeah. And that's where we would hang out as teenagers. We'd hop on the bus and you know try to avoid getting mugged or robbed, <laughs> or, you know, somebody in Hollywood. And anyways. So I found the stuff there, and a lot of the guys were driving into Frisco, and it, it was a bitch in town. But yeah, it, even now it's it's not what it was. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really hard to be like a working person and live in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, and before that, had been up once. The the way we got into cars, there was this guy uh, I saw as my grandfather. His, his name was Chuck Chastain. And he owned a development company that my dad used to work for. And, you know, my dad didn't see me digging ditches. I just didn't have the energy or or the brain for it. So on weekends, since he had a restoration shop out in Simi Valley, uh, he'd employ us there on the weekends. And those were the days where you can just sit there and clean car parts with gasoline all day. That was maybe about, um, before I was 10 years old, we started doing that. And uh, my uncles used to work for him because they, they were mechanics, so they would 
and uh, restore like old cat uh, Cadillac flatheads and Auburns and Hupmobiles. Huh. And that that's where that started. And we started painting there as far as small car parts. And then the older we got, he saw more potential in us and it would give us the opportunity to paint complete cars. Huh. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, our weekends were stuck just cleaning and like Pebble Beach style cars. Huh. You know, that's our attention to detail of that. And then uh, from there, shit, I must have been about 14, 15. My dad always had us working since we were kids. And, you know, I didn't want to go to school anymore. And I just decided to drop out and went to go work full time with him, with my brother. Huh. And that's what got us into body shops. And in the, in the San Fernando Valley, it's a hotbed for just about anything you look for. You know, MCs, lowriders, hot rods, you name it. You, this is where you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. So little by little, I just started. I, I wanted to do custom work, but there was very few people that would teach it. And since we had all the old timers still, still painting out here, you know, just go to their shops and basically work for free and learn whatever you can. Back then, were you already like familiar with uh, like lowriders and customs, or was that something that you you picked up from like a, a specific person or or shop or something? Uh, well, I think we we when I my I, one of the first customs that I think I've seen when I was a kid, the uh, the Bruns, you know, the Bruns Custom City, they built that thirty six Black Dahlia and, and oh yeah, oh, Jimmy Boone. yeah, they're they they live here in our neighborhood. Oh wow. So, I remember seeing that car yeah, possible all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, they got a long history of this custom stuff. If it wasn't for them, a lot of the stuff would be dead wow. here in the valley, you know, especially custom work. So on our way home, we would I would always ask my dad to get off on a certain street off the freeway just to see what they had in front of And there was always you know, a different style car, something being chopped, a Merc, a 36 days, a 60 like that. So that was our first exposure to custom cars. And around that time, those three spots to, to hang out in. You had Cruisers Car Wash, Flames, and Boss Big Boy in Toluca Lake. And people from Burbank used to come out to our side of town. And that's when I first met uh, Miguel Sarate. At that time, he was from Pandilla de Lobos. And I, I believe, I can't even remember dates, but he had the first custom I actually got to put my hands on. He gave me the opportunity and, and taught me how to do a lot of the stuff I do now. And then we then we had that. We had Stan Tabor in the neighborhood. You had Evil Led that rules the Yakety Yaks. So anywhere you went he, on this side of the valley, because we grew up in, in North Hills, you wouldn't see too much of that. When my my dad moved us out this way around ninety three ninety four, that's what you would see. I mean, they were everywhere. You couldn't turn a certain street without seeing a custom or a lowrider. I mean, the lowriders we'd go to Bradley Brad Park out in the old town San Fernando, but the customs were were always on this side. Oh, that's awesome. It sounds like a cool place to grow up. No, yeah, it really was. It really was. Because on this side you have you have the Yakety Yaks, which was one of the older clubs. Then you had the Bronzes. Uh, Miguel and the Pandilla guys would come out this way. You have the, the, the local MCs. You know, there was always something to do out here. You can go to any of these, you know, the the, the shops that kind of look like strip malls, mm-hmm. 
in, in, in the hallways and you, yeah, you can you can always find something being chopped, something being painted. And uh, that's how we got into it. Oh, and we also had Dean Bryant from uh, Elegant Customs, but that that was later on down the road. What was your first custom? My my first custom? Yeah. Uh, it was a car that I never got off the road because <laughs> I told it a little too much. It was a '51 Pontiac. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got an exchange um, from working on Chuck's cars. He bought it as a parts car out in, in San Francisco, and we we towed it home. And uh, he, he saw that I had interest in the cars on the other. And he said, "I'll give you this car as long as you keep your head straight and work on my stuff." And I said, "Okay." So we took it. There was a vocational school here where you can you would pay like sixty bucks for a semester, and they would teach you to do anything. But it was really just a place to hang out and chop up cars and. You know, do stuff we really weren't supposed to to them <laughs> and other people's cars. But yeah. And uh, recently I saw it for sale. It was on, somebody had posted on Instagram. It was uh -huh. still in the same condition. <laughs> you know how the, the Pontiac has a chrome strip on the hood? Yeah. Was, yeah, I, I cut up a Cadillac and welded that. The pig extended the rear quarters. Because I really wanted it to look like Miguel's coming. Hmm. And, but it was a four-door, so I kind of just kind of fell off the wagon on that one. I just kept moving on. Were you always drawn to sort of the the more wild customs? Yeah, but no one was doing it. You know, even now, you, it's rare to rare to see. So what I would do is I, I'd go to uh, auto books or swap meets and, and just collect all these magazines. And to, to me, it was just a library of information. Yeah. So when I started doing my stuff, you know, I always had something to go back to. And uh, one time. I had gotten a job. I, I I was going to school, and I got a job at, at a ninety-nine cent store, stocking you know crap. And a buddy of mine had told me there was a that Galaxy wagon. You remember that blue one that I had? Yeah. That that wagon was sitting. Someone was living in it in North Hollywood, in LA, and they needed the car gun. So I went to go look at it and reluctantly bought it. You know, I wasn't you know to, that car taught me to be a mechanic too. Yeah. <laughs> and messing with that, shaving, shaving all the moldings, Frenching the taillights. I always wanted to uh, graft a, a 61 Cadillac from an end on that, like Winfield's Maybelline. Huh. And never, never got around to that part. But yeah, you know, the, all the magazines and people that I knew were just a huge, huge uh, library of information. That's awesome. Yeah. I I grew up in the suburbs. I was pretty far away from like interesting car stuff. So my, my in was mostly through old magazines too. Like I'd see stuff that was, you know, I, when I was a kid, I thought car stuff all happened in LA and that's why we didn't see anything in the Bay area. Cause I was out like almost in the central Valley. And then I'd pick up these magazines. I'd see like Bylon customs and Hayward and uh, yeah. that uh, like DeRosa out in Antioch stuff, just all around the Bay area. And all those guys were building the wildest cars back then. I remember, like, Byland had this 56 that had, like, floating canted quad lights on it. <laughs> like, just... Oh, with a weird... With the 57 uh, bumper on it. Yes. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it had, like, French antennas above the, the taillights. It was such a cool car. It was so insane. It was so far from anything that I saw. So for me, that's the stuff that really like excited me. I think it was a little bit of me being a little dumb and not really knowing what like a sleek custom was and because I couldn't identify it yet. 
but that that wild stuff like the big fins and the, the canted quad lights chop tops and stuff i understood that that something had been changed so i, I think that was yeah, my it, end to me that those were the epitome of cool uh, everyone says you know the customs and and the lowriders yeah i'm not gonna argue but you know the purists will come attack but i'm not gonna argue yeah they some did come from los angeles but to me the cool stuff was having in norcal all the cool stuff of course you had Balon, um you had uh uh lucky seven yeah right that, that's cool. and before that there were acme customs it was Daryl Holland back. Mm-hmm. I believe that's uh, Marcos Garcia and Johnny Yellow. And uh, Winger. Yeah, yeah. And that, that little crew of guys, they built the most phenomenal stuff. You could, they're untouchable. You know, and you had that, and you had Zochi, and then you had John D'Agostino. And yeah. little did I know, he, he had a lowrider background with that 71 Botel. Yeah. But to me, NorCal can be beat. To this day, you guys top it off when it comes to customs. I love stuff from LA too, but yeah, um, th- there's something special, especially like some of those people you were you were talking about, like the I, I call them like Discovery Bay or like on the Delta Customs, like Lucky Seven and uh, and all those guys. Yeah. Like I I knew like where this stuff came from, but once I started going to shows, that's who you saw. Like when you walk into a car show, like up at the at the Cow Palace here up in in Sacramento, yeah. they'd always have their cars like parked out in the front, and they were just cool as hell. Like, I think, um, first time I went to the Cow Palace, I, I walked in and James Hatfield's Buick was there. Uh, that, Ooh. what we, uh, I, I can't remember. Skylark? Uh, yeah, what was it, early 50s, purple, I think it had a white Carson top. Yeah, that's Skylark. Crazy pearl paint job. And I remember just staring <laughs> at that and then, like, taking notes, who built it, where did it come from? James, oh, that James Hatfield? Like, holy shit. <laughs> and it was just... yeah. yeah. Then I was hooked. Yeah, the, it's incredible how much talent comes out of, out of this relatively small corner of the Bay Area. I mean, it's it's not uh, yeah. known for for much. In fact, that's that's part of the stuff that's on fire today. <laughs> it's up that way. Oh, that that's the stuff that's burning today. Like up, now, I think Vallejo is burning right now, which is relatively close to there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always drawn to. Anything. I mean, anything on, on wheels, I, I'm going to support it. Yeah. Be it a 1% club or be it a, a regular car club or a social club. Shit, you can ride a unicycle. I'm going to support you. It's cool. <laughs> but I was always drawn to the wild stuff. And you couldn't find it out here. And that was few and far between, but you always get that. We're from L.A. I, I don't consider myself from Los Angeles. I'm from the Valley. Yeah, we are L.A., but we're not. I, I, I decided that we're not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the wild stuff was over there. Other than that, magazines. Of course, you had uh, the Piranha by, uh, and then the Shark by by um, De Rosa. Yeah. Then you had the, the cool custom paint jobs that I thought at that point were coming out of NorCal, but little did I know there were some were Gene Winfield's. Then you had the wild psychedelic stuff that that um, Art Hemsel was doing. You keep, that's mm-hmm. him and his brother Ricky, two guys that can't be beat. Right. When it comes to colors and pearls, you know, you try to top them or try to go, you know, butt heads with those guys in colors, you're going to lose, even to this day. The guy looks like he can barely move, but hats off to him, man. He does it. Who else did you guys have up there doing like crazy stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we had Lucky, they had Lucky Seven, but those were 
Marcos Garcia, that's another pain. Yeah, super that's humble, another, humble guy too. Yeah, so that, that's a guy that I draw a lot of inspiration from when it comes to like nice, fine-tuned stuff. Yeah, him. Yeah, Art Himsel. Who was doing uh, Andy Brizio stuff? Was that that was Himsel, right? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, because he would do all the ribbons. You know, the, I love those ribbon work. Then you had Kelsey Martin on the East Coast. Uh, out here, you have very few painters. You, you have Big Ed, Big Ed Man- Mandrill, I believe is his name. He does the Cars for Lifestyle. Um, Eddie Montanez, who is still painting to this day. Uh, Jimmy Olivas. You know, I, I draw a lot of inspiration from those guys. Gary, yeah, Gary Baca, of all people. You know, those guys, when it comes to colors, not, not so much Gary Baca. Very, Gary Baca was doing pearls. And he went back to doing what he loves, which is drag boats. You know, I, I've, I've always said it. You want to see a lowrider paint job, you got to look at drag boats. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's where they come from, to me, you know. And Himzo was doing boats for uh, Bones, Bones Notebook, and his son Cuddy, huh. who, yeah, who still have a lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah, that, I think paint-wise, that's inspiration. Then you had Crazy Art Fullington. Shit, I can go on forever if you got a few days. <laughs> <laughs> but um, around the time I got my wagon, I I hooked up with a guy named Richie Richie Munoz, which I'm still friends with, and he, he rents you know half my shop space. And that's how I got. I always told him like I want to learn how to do lace, and I want to learn how to do uh, metal flake. And everyone would always laugh at me, you know, because I wanted to do. Uh, the fish scale stuff and then that stuff's played out, man. No one wants to see that stuff anymore. So he, I worked for him for free for just about two years. So he, so he can teach me all the stuff I can learn. And I always spoke of this blue Chevy that was around town. Cause I didn't know him by name at the time. Hmm. And he's like, Oh, I don't know who that is. That's Miguel. So well, one night Richie says, okay, it's time, man. You know, you, I think you learned enough. And, we're going to do the top on your wagon and then you're going to you know, basically fuck off. You're going to try to do it on your own. <laughs> so we got a bunch of leftover stuff and some green candy. I remember we were having dinner late that night with my girlfriend and I went off and bought some lace at Walmart and we, we laced and candied the top on, on the wagon that night. And I don't know if you remember before, but it was green and white. I, I don't, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. I know last time I saw it, it was blue with a bunch of pinstriping on the sides, and I don't think I made it up further than that. I don't, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. It's first version. I mean, it was just about every color. Yeah. At that, you know, I was doing the body work and uh, all the glass was. At one point, I only drove it with one bucket seat and the windshield. <laughs> wow. I drove it around town everywhere, and everyone would think it was a piece of crap, but I was building my dream at the time. Yeah. And then. Uh, at that time, they were having a party out in Canoga area. And Canoga has always been a hotbed for stuff. All the old painters were there because Bill Carter was still there uh, before he passed. Uh, no, Winfield, yeah, Winfield was in Canoga as well. We, we were at the vocational school, and the teacher would send us to his place to help him clean the place up every now and then. Wow. That's how I got to meet him. And uh, it, it was an easy you know, re- easy favor to ask him to do my hood when he did. Because remember, I had like a thousand louvers on that yeah. thing. <laughs> I recall every, every louver that was on there, especially on rainy days. Wow. It was like my little car. So 
I drove the wagon to a party they were having in the middle of the night out to Canoga. And I'm driving through and this this um this pudgy white dude runs out with you know with long hair and he's he's jumping in front of the car and he's jumping all over it and <laughs> he says, No man, this is it, this is where it's at, you know, people ain't doing this stuff anymore. And I was like, all right, get the fuck away, creep. <laughs> and we, we spoke for a little bit. It wasn't until the next, you know, later that night, that's what I'm saying. Later that night, because he, he, he was working next door to the shop we were partying at. He comes over and he says, hey, man, I'm Walt Prey. Oh, wow. And that's when I got to meet Walt Prey, and that's when I just dumb, jumped in a little deeper into it. You know, just asking questions and harassing the guys. It, it, it wasn't something where you're like hey man you think you can show me this show me that no i'm gonna nitpick your fucking brain until you tell me to leave <laughs> so that's how i got to meet walt man that was my my first uh actual introduction before that you know we see him in the cruise nights with the 57 nomad and everyone knew the car around town yeah. but, you know when he said that and he kind of gave me a thumbs up and, you know you gotta keep doing this and you know keep it going yeah, it felt good, man. It felt like one of the true old school guys, the legendary, you know, painter Gypsy Rose, tells you you're doing a good job. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, you know, you start digging deeper, then you start buying, all, of course, all the Watson books, you know, anything you could find on Larry Watson. We had the internet, but it wasn't as cool as it was now. Right. Where you can type in a hashtag and you're going to get every paint job you want. <laughs> yeah. You have to go there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's almost just card was just that. Uh, I was going to give you one sec on that one. Um, so when it came time to wall and he was teaching me, not teaching me, he's telling me, this is how you uh, do paint, um, line. He was more of a striper than a painter himself. But he always made it sure, man, you don't put fades against fades. Mm. A lot of people don't get that. You can't, you know, something has to go under something. So that's where yeah. your fades go. <laughs> so at that time, I started digging into the Watson stuff and I always wanted a Valium gun. Yeah. For years, that's what I think of. I want a Valium I want a Valium And was, like I said, the internet wasn't wasn't cool back then. So you, you couldn't type in Valium gun and you're going to find four, 40 people with one for sale. Yeah. So I poked around and I ended up getting uh, Bill Carter's phone number. Wow. You know, I was searching because him and Walt spoke, but, you know, it wasn't, they're not going to call each other for dinner type relationship with those guys. So I ended up calling them and I, I love telling the story, especially my friends saying that my introduction of Bill Carter is he answers the phone. I hang up cause I was nervous cause to me, these guys were like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I finally called back and he answers again and I said, Hey, my name's so-and-so and I'm, I'm trying to learn how to paint, but, I've always admired the Buick that you did and a lot of the veiling stuff and Watson. He says, huh? The, the veiling gun? Yeah. I want to see if you might have one laying around or where I can get one. And uh, his response to me at the time was, fuck off, kid. Don't bother me with those questions. And he hangs up. I never oh. fucking called him back. Oh, never wow. called him back. But I can say, yeah, I, I spoke to Carter on the phone. So I'm kind of a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And then uh, later on, I, because I, um, we went to his memorial. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anna, Anna Marco, or Anna DeMarco was on the stage, whatever. And she had brought it up. And it wasn't until he finally noticed that a lot of people admired his stuff 
where he kind of loosened up, you know. He, he wasn't bitter. He just kind of loosened up and, and took a step back to see, you know, he did inspire a lot of people. He was the best of the best. Yeah. If it wasn't for him and, and Steve Stanford, you know, those, those guys were an amazing group. I mean, pair, not a group. Those, those guys were bitching. And the shop that I rent now is diagonal to where I'm in the same compound that place was. There's a lot of history there. Oh, wow. That's really cool. It looks like a junkyard now, but back then <laughs> it must have been the coolest place to be. And, and when we started um, Wild Child, my first thought was to do that, do that type of work. But it's custom stuff. You, you yourself should know. It doesn't pay. Right. You we can pay our mortgage with custom paint jobs. I really wish we could. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, just a, a brief tangent. I I was at an antique store here the other day picking up something for a friend. I was talking with yeah. the the girl that runs a place, and she's always late in the morning. She works nights as an ER nurse, and it was like, yeah, you know, you can still do what you want to do if it's like run an antique store or paint cars and stuff. You just got to have another job. <laughs> like you can still do it. <laughs> it's gotten so damn hard to make a living doing anything. Yeah. You know, I, I tried, I tried, I tried and I try to do one a year, yeah. uh, you know, one, one, one important one a year. There's cars that I've had as projects forever. And I, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that someday they'll be finished. Uh, it was easier when I didn't have my two boys, you know, but even then, I'm still working the same hours. I still should crank them out, but I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you said 18 hours the other day. Yeah, you know, I it's just I try doing the shop thing again. Every time it slows down, I work for studio work. Yeah, I, it slows down, and I'm sitting on my ass for maybe two or three months. I pick up a metal flake job, or you know, do some flames on this or whatever. But I finally got a job with the studios. I finally became a union member, but now I know the perks of being a union member. But yeah, so I'm doing 12 hours out in Santa Monica, and then I have to come out here and work at my shop till maybe 11. And that really, yeah, it only leaves about two, three hours of sleep. <laughs> Damn. But it's almost a schedule. I, I've been on that same schedule for 2007, I believe. Huh. Once I jumped into the studio stuff, you start chasing that money. And now that I got kids, like I said earlier, like I'm just trying to be an adult now. I, I still party. <laughs> <laughs> we still party pretty hard, but I think it, this week I finally felt it. Yeah, I'm pretty old, man. <laughs> it sneaks up on you. <laughs> yeah, you know what we said. Like I said we saw Roger on Friday, mm -hmm. and this band uh, Prong came on, mm -hmm. and they hit the bass and they hit the drum, you know, just to present themselves that they're on the stage. And, and my first thing to my girlfriend was like. Fuck that shit's loud, man. <laughs> right. That is loud. That's when I realized, okay, yeah, I'm fucking old. I don't know how Roger does it. Yeah. Hats off to that guy. I don't some fucking energy. <laughs> but, but yeah, on, on the wild child stuff, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to paint. We wanted to, because we do the puzzle pieces, all the abstract stuff. I really admire Crazy Arts paint jobs. That guy was a fucking lunatic when it came to painting. <laughs> he has a jazz background. Um, the whole acid and the shrooms thing. I've always heard him doing it huh. and taking that stuff. So, you know, naturally you kind of go that way. And it's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. This is how this guy got his fucking creativity. <laughs> um, and we do, we are trying to do that. The metal flake stuff, the pearl stuff. 
I love it. I love it all, and I really wish I could do more of it. But um, I had, uh, did you see the Chrysler I just finished? Uh, yeah, the it's like a sixty sixty seven. Is it about right? Yeah, that one. Yeah, I, I'm hoping, hoping that one ends up at the Grand National. Yeah, yeah I, I love being there because you start seeing all the old faces, all the old names that you used to read about and admire. You know, like uh, just a few years ago when we finished uh, Eunice's car, mm-hmm. the, the 55 Ford. Yeah. We were sitting there and uh, t- uh, today's crowd doesn't remember or care about the names of the old school as much as I do. But I'm sitting in a room. You have Custom Paul, you know, from from Nipomo. Mm-hmm. There, you have Bellows Customs right at the front door. You have uh, a 40 Phaeton from built by Valley Customs back in the 50s. Yeah, you have Richie Vaughn, and then you have Eunice's car. That's you, know, awesome. you, you take like oh, then you have the Augustinos, the the Pantheon. That's what it's called. Pantheon, yeah, the, the 67. Yeah, the chopper. Remember that one? Anyways, yeah, so I was sitting in the room and you kind of take a step back and it's like, this is where I want to be. This is, if you're going to go off and paint, this is where you got to show off your stuff, man. And it, it, was, it was just a very proud moment, you know, being in, in the same room with some big names, especially when the car was, you know, built in the garage. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, last, I think year before last, it's been a, been a minute since we went to Pomona. But I remember, um, it was your Rogers car was there. You had the the two that you painted the the, the sixty six and the sixty sixty five. The two yeah, Rivers. sixty yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, two uh, Rivers. Like Frank's truck was in there. It was so fucking cool. It was like the I think they call it the custom room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so fucking cool having everything in one spot. We were trying to get uh, my wife's car down there last year or so. It just didn't work out. I I think it would be a knockout. You you can't beat. Being under those lights, man, it, it's those lights in those buildings make something about those paint jobs. It, it, it gives you such an amazing feeling being in there. Yeah. Like I, I always try to express to all my friends. I always get giddy even just talking about it. You can't beat rolling day yeah. because you're sitting there. Everyone's cleaning their cars. You're helping this person. You're, you're handing uh, materials to a famous name. You're drinking beers. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's an amazing experience. It's, it's something I want to do every year. That I should do every year. And I think anyone that's painting should strive for that, man. Yeah, it, it's really cool. We used to vend at, at car shows. So we'd be in, in there for setup day. And sometimes you get to step yeah. out of the booth and go walk around and see what's what. And I have a bunch of pictures like this. It, like D'Agostino rolling in with a trunk full of rocks and dumping it out by himself. Like he might have a big crew working for him, but he's right there like doing this thing by himself. Or like Starbird, like Windexing the bubble top. It was so awesome. Ooh. It's It made it seem really accessible, you know? Like, there's just one person doing his one piece of this, making this amazing uh, car display happen. It's cool. No, yeah, as I said, Rolling Day, man. Rolling Day is the place to be. It's the one day of the year you feel like a fucking superstar. Yeah. <laughs> you you feel popular for one second that, that the guy <laughs> that you looked up to for the past 20 years that doesn't even know your name is you know, over there patting you on the back and saying, "Wow, you took a lot of time on this." Because yeah, the the '65 had been painted two years before I I, I decided to show it. Because huh. um, at that time I I had just gotten uh, we got laid off from work and I started working on the car here at home, 
And at first it was going to be a simple paint job. But I couldn't get, you know, I was going through my magazines, going through this. I look for inspiration. I, I look, I, I try not to copy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, you know, oh, you took this idea from that guy, or this idea from that guy. That way, in the beginning, every time I would post my stuff, I'd always put the big names, you know, the, the, the names that I remember. You know, I'm drawing inspiration from Carter, Stanford, Santini, um, Kelsey Martin, you know, all, all the cool names. And, hoping that someone at some point, you know, does their homework. Oh, well, who's this and who's that? Mm-hmm. Then you start seeing there's a little bit of all those guys in the paint job. So I, I couldn't find anything to do. And there's an old uh, custom lowrider here in town that had been hiding since the 80s. I, I don't know it by name, but the, the, the owner and painters were Eddie Martinez and, and Jimmy Olivas. And that's where they started to show me that you don't need to stay in between the lines. And I've heard that before, but to see something like a time capsule right in front of you and it's showing you this is how it should be done, I mean, mm-hmm. how it was done, is it, really fucking cool. And that's where I get the idea to put like the color palette, like the rainbows on, because that was what they were doing. Yeah, so, I- I remember going through the Watson archives when they started posting that stuff and you see like the, like the Corvette that's got the rainbow stripes on it or that bike that he did. It's all rainbow. It was, it was yeah. really cool seeing your stuff come out where it's like, man, someone's doing that again. That's so awesome. It takes a lot of guts, I think, to do something so colorful these days. Sadly, you get a lot of people. I mean, when it first came out, I'm the one that started making jokes on the car. <laughs> yeah. You had some people with the homosexual car and, the LGBT car, and, and then, you know, I kind of ran with it and made jokes because people are just stuck on one thing. Yeah. They want to do endless, and which is cool. I'm not, I won't knock anyone's paintwork. If you got as far as even picking up a spray can, that's effort, you know? But people are stuck. They, they want what they see online. They don't want to do their homework. Yeah. You know, and I think it's a few guys, there's a few guys out there that I really, really think they're, they're knockout painters. Uh, right now he's uh, I think he goes by Sick One. He's out of Texas. Hmm. He did a car for Jesse James, but his color use is amazing. You have him. You have Felix Designs. I believe he's in Vegas. You have another guy, Dino Styles. Uh, that guy, he he um, he actually found a veiling gun. He's just about veiling anything that'll stand still right now. Huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a few guys that I can't think of the top of my head, but I, I look for the old school guys. So. When I did the 65, they, um, I, I went to go see that, that car. It was, it's a Caprice or 76, I believe. And you can see one color change to the next. And above that is another color that changes to the next. You have golds going to orange, going to pink, going to purple. And it's like, what the fuck? How, does he, how the hell are these guys doing that, you know? Yeah. So I, I tracked down the painter. It turns out he's just on the other side of my shop. Huh. Like his wall is the wall to the next one over, huh. it, but he just does baggers now. Like those, you know, those are like caricature of a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. That's what he does now. But I start asking him. He says, "There's really no rules to any of this. It's either you do it or you don't." Like, well, what's you're not killing someone. All you got to do is just wipe it right off and start over. So that's what made me do all the the color uh, uh, the color transitions because at that time there was a club that they were paying for called new movement and new movement had all their cars that way. 
You know, there was some cars in, in L.A. that had flames. But I've always heard flames don't blow on a lowrider. It's a hot rod. <laughs> yeah. But Jimmy Olivos was doing it. He had a 69 Impala. He had it on. They did a 65, a pearl orange 65 with an acetylene torch, you know, uh, the soot smoke, you know. And you start looking at all the old lowrider magazine and you look at locations and it's all in the valley. Hmm. The valley, like I said, it had the hot rods and lowriders and they just mix those together. This is where you, you see all the custom cool stuff. I'm not saying LA doesn't have it. NorCal has it. New Mexico has it. But, you know, this is my neighborhood. This is where it, I, I believe it came from. And I'm going to continue telling myself that in case. <laughs> <laughs> that, on the 65 you have the rainbows on the hood which I should have taken them to the trunk but that was that was I put that there as a thank you you know for showing me something uh, to Eddie Martinez and Jimmy Lewis that's cool huh. yeah and, and uh, New Movement has an Instagram page so if you ever want to go on there and see it you'll see a lot of you know, the inspiration from those cars onto that 65. Now, and then when we did the 67, sadly that paint job is gone. Hmm. But do you remember the, what was the Tommy Evil's wagon called? You remember that four engine Draxxer 67? Hmm. Well, you remember the review, right? It had the, the, pay, the, the fades going under the cobwebbing on the hood. Right. Yeah, I, I that car I, I drew total inspiration from Carter work. Carter's fades, how they would go from dark to light. You, know, you couldn't beat that stuff. The webbing and the veiling, all that stuff, you know, and and the full metal flake paint jobs. You, it's just something cool. I mean, other than that, we when we did the the Chrysler, he wanted flames because you know, and I'm. And, I'm starting to do flames a lot, and you know, we were sitting in the garage with Dustin at the time, and we made a joke. Uh, if you've seen it, the flames go forward on the, on the front fender. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we were sitting there, and as a joke, because I got stuck, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm just throwing you know, tape away, roll <laughs> after roll, I can't get a design. Dustin says, Dustin's our president of our club of rummers, mm-hmm. and he says, as a joke, yeah, just take it forward. That way he has, you know, he has to go in reverse, and it seems like he's going fast. And we go, oh, yeah. So, you know, we did the design there. And those, those style flames were more of a, it was a wall prey with a little Art Himsel touch to it. You know, so they look yeah. almost cartoonish, little cartoonish, and, you know, stuff like that. And, and uh, another painter that yeah, didn't kick ass, and uh, I'm sure he'll call me if you're he was his, his uh, Valdez. Yeah. Is Valdez or Valdez? What is it? The uh, two brothers. Alex and Junior? Yeah, Alex and Junior, yeah. Valdez. Is it Valdez or Yeah, see, that guy is a fucking total knockout. Oh, yeah. That's one guy that really does his homework. I remember I had just gotten out of the strays, and I was hanging out the Boulevardos, and I had, and I believe Junior was still in the Boulevardos. Uh-huh. And it was me and my brother. We cruised up to Ventura, and you—you you two are or were? I—I I, I was. Oh, okay. At that, I'm not sure if you were there, but fuck, I—I've never met such a group that was more welcoming. Yeah. You know, and I told my brother, "Yeah, it would be cool to be part of these guys." And my brother's like, "No, you know, 
kind of stay away from the club thing for a minute, you know. So we're hanging out, and then Junior comes and talks to us, and we kind of hit it off. And he starts like, "Oh yeah, I heard you. You're starting to do some painting." Like, oh yeah, I just bought a house. I finally had a place to fucking do it at. And, and he's like, "Oh, you should link up with my brother." And then we start linking up with his brother. At first, there was almost a little tension. You know how the every artist is going to butt in yeah. with another one. Yeah. We do not see that. So I I figured out, and as much as he he's not going to believe this. I figured out how to do his angel hair. That that style that he does. <laughs> that he from mm-hmm. uh, I believe he learned from Ted that used to work for Baylon. Yeah, yeah. And Ted. one day I did, I did a phone call. What's his name? Ted what? Ted. I I don't know his name. His last name. They always call him Uncle Ted. Yeah, Uncle Ted. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen people with that guy. So he, there was always this thing because he and to me when I first saw that. I was blown away. That is, to me, phenomenal. Yeah. You want something custom, angel hair is the way to do it. So I figured out, and I'm fucking around the garage. I just bought the heavens. I have nothing but time. And I, I sit there reading my magazines, learning, and I'm using hoods in the wall and cabinets. If, if you could ever come to my house, everything on that fucking garage, wall, doors, floor, there's paint patterns all over the place. And I figured it out, and I had, I had just gone on Instagram and I posted it and I get a phone call from Valdez. <laughs> he sounded a little irritated. Where'd you learn that? Who told you about it? Who are you? That, that type of conversation. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm speaking to, to someone I, I see as a, as a king in, in this painting. Yeah. No one was doing it like he did. And, um, uh, he started aggravating. I said, like, look, man, I, I learned it on my own. And all I did was zoom in on pictures and study it. <laughs> if you really me, I try to get to the, the roots of things. Mm-hmm. Being colors, being punk rock, name it. I'm going to go to the roots of things and work on the way back up. So I study and study and study, and I couldn't figure it out. So I finally figured it out, and I did it on the hood of my brother's truck that I was painting at the moment. And not something I use as a pattern, just just to you know, see if it would work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he finally calls me. Something a little irritating. Where you learn this? Do me a favor. You know, let's keep this to ourselves type of conversation. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, dude. Like I'm, I'm not out to sell things. You know, because mm-hmm. a lot, I see a lot of people nowadays. They try to get into something to sell. Mm-hmm. They try to market it, which is fine. I, I, I'm, I, I have to respect people's hustles. But when you're passionate about something, that's where you, you start perfecting things. So I, I kind of let them know, look, dude, I'm not out to rip you off or rip anyone off. I'm not going to give this stuff away. I mean, whoever wants to learn it, yeah, I'll teach them. You know, but you have to come here type thing. So he was like, all right, cool, bye. And he hangs up. And I was like, fuck, I just pissed off someone that I really thought was really cool. And little by little... We became friends. We always, we have, we kind of lost touch for a little bit, but we'd always talk online and we'd always make it a point. I'm going to be at Moon Eyes. Meet me there. And usually I leave while he shows up. And <laughs> till this day, I've yet to sit there and have a beer with the guy huh. and tell him, please don't be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, those guys because are... when he, 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 go ahead. Sorry. Those guys are geniuses. I mean, both uh, Junior and Alex, they're both so incredibly talented. 
and they're they've got so they're so deep in this you know like like you said they've got you know firsthand ted right there who taught him how to do the the real stuff it's funny when you were talking about the veiling gun earlier um i think it's been long enough for for me to to talk about it but junior had a, a veiling gun i don't know where he bought it i don't know any of those secrets any stuff like that but he gave it to uh to Alex and, and Mario and they were messing around with it. I was over at Mario's shop when we were getting ready to do either do the 57 or, or my old Buick. I, I don't remember, but he had these little swirls all over the place. I'm like, Oh fuck, you guys figured it out. Like, let me see it. He's like, no, it's junior's gun. He won't let anyone touch it. <laughs> like, can, can we use it? I, I don't even want to ask him. <laughs> I'm not sure that, he, that anyone's supposed to know that he's got it. So yeah, <laughs> It's funny, yeah. They they like to keep the secrets. Uh, good for them. I mean, they they got a unique. Uh, uh, you know, but keeping it, it, we kind of sound a little arrogant saying I'm not going to show anyone else. But there, there's a reason now. I know why I myself keep a lot of secrets to myself when it comes to painting. It's because mm-hmm. no one taught us, man. We had to go seek it. Yeah. That that's our passion led us to that. And and nowadays it's easy to just get online and. Hey man, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a private message. Tell me where you got your stuff. Tell me how you did this. Tell me how much it cost. Wow. And so, no, man, I I just spent half just about a decade looking for something. And I just can't give it away like that. Yeah. Like I, I see a lot of the, the newer crowd. I'm not that old, 37, <laughs> but I see a lot of people taking classes to paint skateboards to charge full amounts of money for paint jobs they can't do yet. Huh. That's you weird. Know, and that, it is weird. I mean, it's cool. You know, they, 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 these people are selling skateboards and coffee mugs and whatever, painting with cool lowrider paint jobs. But they'll see your stuff. Like with us, I, 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 if Carter was still alive or Walt Prey, all the old names, I would never sit there and brag about myself. Yeah. And... What I see a, a lot of the newer guys, they don't care about the old school guys. They they don't care about them. They're yeah, they're old, they're grumpy, they're pissed off. They're, they'll tell you to fuck off, like Carter did to me. <laughs> but you know, go to the roots of things, man. You'll be surprised of the cool stuff that's hidden away somewhere. As far as paint job and design. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's because things are so easy these days. You can just look people up on Custom Rama or something like that and figure out where they started going but for for us i'm i'm 34 so i'll say we're just about the same generation you actually had to go knock on doors and like uh like i had friends that just you know push a broom in a shop for free for a year to to figure out how to do bondo and stuff it was a it was different like it's sort of forced that you have to have respect for tradition otherwise you're not getting in you know yeah you know and and that's what I like about the the rumbers, you know, as far as New York, those guys have to have everything to a point. It needs to be traditional. Yeah. You, you can't have any stuff. You can't have certain things after a certain year. You know, they go to the full core of things. And when I, when I was in the strays, that's what it was. Those guys were to the full core of things. But, you know, little by little, clubs start getting bigger and people start going their separate ways, different ideas, yeah. and I believe that's what happened with us. You know, we, we just, we started butting heads. No, this doesn't work. Yeah, that doesn't work. You know, he's doing it better. No, I can do it better. 
So yeah, that, that's what you got to have to, it's just a stepping stone at that point. I, I try not to see people like me as stepping stones. I try to keep relationships as much as I can, mm-hmm. but things have to happen for people to improve. Yeah. You, know, you just can't sit there and be stuck into something. It, it, that contradicts entirely of me. Hey, go back to the old school, but uh, you know, seek it, you know, seek it a little bit more. Uh, and I wish people would just kind of get off the internet for a little bit and go find some old magazines. You got some cool stuff. Even to this day, I'm discovering. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. There was a, uh, in in the the Boulevardos Club, one of their first support shirts. This guy came on from Japan. I don't I don't remember, I think remember his his name's like Kotolo or something. It's probably some great mm-hmm. builder from Japan. I don't I don't remember who he was, but we made a or they made a uh, a support shirt that was real simple. Had a wagon on it, sixty two I think on a, ra- a rising sun. It said, "Learn from t- tradition, make a new style." And it's it's like a really simple thing to say, but it really does mean a lot. You know, like. It's important to be rooted in no, tradition, really. but you got to do your own thing with it. Like you, you have no, to yeah. grow. Yeah, it's like, like, like you have to grow. You have to make things better. I mean, how would we, how would we look here? We're just still doing uh, blotchy candy paint jobs like they were in the late fifties, you know? Right. I mean, go to a go to a car show where people are playing the same goddamn rockabilly covers over and over and over and over. <laughs> like, it's boring, man. <laughs> You know, like I said, back then, I'd be in mosh pits and jumping off stages and busting my ankles and coming home wondering how the hell did my car get me home. And, and now, fuck, I just sit at a country bar and have a beer with my buddy. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think uh, tradition should be respected, 100%. As much as you don't like some of these guys, you know, uh, a, a, lot, a lot of people will say, hey, hey, don't attack him even when they hear this. I wanted to, when I first started getting to this custom stuff with Miguel and who else was there at the time? Well, mainly those guys, the North Hollywood guys, those guys, they knew what they were doing. Then you had Papa Wolf. Um, you remember him? He had the, the Merc. He's still an active guy. He has a roadster now. Hmm. But one time I was sitting at Bob's and there was this prize fighter known as Nico the Dragon. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Mm-mm. But he had found an old chopped 57 and he grafted the nose to make it look like a dragon. And he put dragon hands on the side. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and yeah, it was the most gaudiest thing on the fucking planet, but it was a custom car. Yeah. And this guy wanted me to work on the car. And I was like, oh, fuck. You know, I, I made it to the big top. Little did I know, no one knew on the subject. It was a piece of crap. But George Barris was there and he wow. was supporting the idea. Wow. So we were we went to Moe's right next right across the street from Toluca Lake, the boss big boy, and we're all sitting there and it's George Barris and he had he had these weird hangarounds. God knows what the fuck their names are, but then he had another group of guys that were body men and and like the old custom crowd guys that I could recognize through magazines, and a lot of the guys were saying no no I don't think so. I was eager I was hungry I. Not for money, but I just wanted to work on a custom car. So I, I said, yeah, fuck, I'll do all the body work and all the mods that I can. And I was way in over my head. This guy didn't want to dish out any money. And I was working at that time in my parents' driveway. So I'm sitting there, and George says, make me some samples of colors. I need this color and that color. It was a brown and blue. 
like a rose pearls. Okay. Well, fuck, you know, I've yet to learn how to use pearls. I, to me, it's always been the hardest thing on the planet. Uh, but I had access to a body shop that would let me use their paint materials. So I made all these samples and, and I go, to, you know, I take the day off. I'm dressed all nice. I'm like, Oh fuck, I'm going to meet the fucking King of customs. So I, I pull into this place and I go right into his office and, and I show him my samples mm-hmm. and he's looking at them and he says, well, ah, yeah, I just put them over there and get out of my office. I'm fucking busy. <laughs> Jesus. What? <laughs> What the fuck do you mean you're crazy? How do you say that? I, I, mm-hmm. My heart broke. My, my, my heart sank. I was, the, the, the guy I admire, the guy I'm buying all these books and saying, I want to be the next George Barrett. This, this guy told me to fuck him up. Yeah. yeah, I've heard people like, hey, yeah, he was a nice guy. That was my experience with him. That was my experience with Carter. I think the only person I ever had a nice experience was with Boulevardos and fuck, Walt Prey. <laughs> but <laughs> I walk out heart was broken i get in the car and my chick's looking at me like what happened fuck that asshole man <laughs> <laughs> he, he said this to me and i don't want to fucking do this anymore he says oh no this is what you know how to do you should continue with it and uh as much as me and, and, and the missus fight yeah she's been a really strong supporter and backbone to a lot of bullshit i still do to this day but yeah, you know, as much as you hate these old school guys, give them their respect, man. Yeah. If it wasn't for them, especially George, George put everybody on the map. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everyone, be it, you know, Chinese, black, white, whatever, you name it, he put you on the map. You know, if it wasn't for him, these magazines wouldn't have the cool articles, all the cool tech stuff. And now uh, I see a lot of people trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Yeah, all the, all those little pages I used to thumb through, and almost all the photo credits are George Barris. Like he really, yeah. He, you know, there's always that debate like Sam versus George, and I I don't care to get into it honestly. You don't have one without the other, but George say, made this a thing. You know, there people got to remember there's a there's got to be a face and a workforce. Exactly, exactly. Everything. You you can't expect George to sit there and grind and weld and paint at the same time teaching uh, Junior Conway how to mix a fucking color and to still go off, take pictures, make magazines, set up shows. No, man, there's got to be a face and there's got to be a workforce. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's what a lot of us, I myself, ha- had ignored in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I myself, I'm not, I'm not too much of a social person, you know, like... I can't sit there. I, I'm having a conversation with you. Maybe because you're on the phone. I think if we were face to face, I'd stare at you until you left. But, uh, yeah, you know, like this, this guy made it happen. He put the books out. He put the pictures out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, that, that's, another, that's another guy. I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no. I'm happy to hear it. I'm just, I'm just saying, I've made this the same case to a ton of people. It's about showmanship. I mean, it's a show car. Someone's got to be at the front of it. And of course, like Jeffries deserves a world of credit. Sam deserves a ton of credit. Dakar, everyone that came through that shop is, is super important. But you can't, you can't write off George for being at the front of it. I mean, he was a showman, and the showman meant sort of a huckster for a long time. Who Roth definitely was also. But someone has to be at the front. Like, a, imagine you think- Tesla without <laughs> Musk. You know, it was just another car company. 
You, you, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You really think they want an ugly, hairy, smelly body man standing in the front saying, yeah, I did this. Right. No, right. you don't have a nice face up in the front. George had a nice face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had him, of course. Uh, then Everyone talks about the Sam and the George Paris thing, the Jeffries thing. Yeah, a lot of these guys didn't get credit. And I know Jerry's, Jeffries was very bitter about it. Yeah. But, you know, at, at some point, he himself admits, you know, you got to have a face. Right. Right. It, it's that's just sort of the way things are. People, you know, today, the same sort of stuff is happening. Like uh, even the Discovery Bay people we were talking about, they didn't all build everything. Like the Agostino is more of a designer than a builder at this point, as I understand it. But he's still got the name and he's still yeah. putting the stuff out there and his face is on it. It's, you know, he deserves credit for that. He's employing a lot of people. No, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I, I, you know, like I said, growing up, reading these magazines, like, how the fuck are these guys doing it? I can barely get my fucking bottle to cure, and this guy's building cars like once a week. Right. And, you know, and then you dig into it, and it's like, wow, he had Lucky 7. You start digging more and digging more. Like, to me, one of the nicest cars to yeah. ever come out of North now was um, Marco's is, uh, 65 or 63. That Riviera he did with the fades. Yeah, yeah. What year was that? Oh, my mind went There's blank. There's a lot of things that people have forgotten about. And, and a lot of people, I mean, they won't admit it now. Like, there's the, the whole new scene. Because the, the faces are changing. Mm -hmm. The older guys are passing away, unfortunately. But the, the, the faces are changing. But we had, at that uh, back then, you had the shifters. Mm -hmm. The those guys were the coolest, you know, those guys were punk rock. Yeah. Those guys did things their own way, their own rules. And if you didn't like it, they're going to show you why you should hate them more. And that's what made them cool. You had that, you had the chiselers who ended up becoming the Burbank choppers. Yeah. Um, who else did you have? You had yeah, the, Lobo. And we, up here, we have like, yeah. the, the last originals and the, the Royal Jokers and stuff like these sort of punk rock lowrider <laughs> clubs. The Royal Jokers, you can't. That's another clue. You can't beat their style. They're, they're so important. I, I, that's RJ. Uh, RJ's in it. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, like the, the the Javier, Jose, Damien, I think. Yeah, bunch of good guys. Like the Javier yeah. Mejia's cars. That's that's how I got into Metal Flake. One hundred percent. Like I saw what Space Coke at a, a car show, and that was it. It's like, holy fuck. Like these other yeah. cars are cool, but that one looks like a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> we oh, you know who we also had. Now, now that we're talking about painters and clubs and whatever, we had uh, Gary Seeds. Yeah. Gary yeah. Seeds, he is our local legend. There was always a rumor that NASA could see his house in space <laughs> because he had lights other than the floor. I mean, he had lights. Yeah, he had those fluorescent lights from wall to wall, ceiling to ceiling. And this, that's one of the first custom paint jobs that I saw. I mean, the, we, we talk about custom cars, paint jobs. I'd go to Flames, and I'd sit there, and i nitpick the guy's brain. I'd never seen a candy paint job. You you had them, but mm -hmm. never in the style that we like to this day. Yeah. You had, you know, we have quinceañeras and stuff like that, and cruise nights. And, you know, every time someone dies, everyone joins up at Brand Park, because you're going to be buried in San Francisco Cemetery. <laughs> 
So you would always see them on Sundays, but at that time they were complete candies. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, whatever. It's one color. It's one color. And we had mini trucks. Uh, fuck, I, I've been on the boulevard, not cruising, but hanging out with my brothers since I was 12. Or on Laurel Canyon. Van Nuys wasn't around. They weren't doing that at all. You had Laurel Canyon, then you had the drag races over by, by, uh, Tuxford and, and the junkyards. But when it came to original style, fuck Gary Seeds, man. So he had this, uh, 66, I believe, Riviera. And he had, uh, like a lime gold and he had pinks and blues. And to me, it's like, ugh, you know, that, those fucking colors, they don't make sense. <laughs> you know, it's a little more. And it's like, fuck, this stuff should be cool. And he's telling me, look up this, go find that. You know, go go find some history on this stuff. It's really cool. But yeah, I, I, he was on Instagram for a while. I wonder where he went. I know he had moved out of state and he did that 67 in Poland recently. And yeah, he just kind of fell off the map again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's another guy. When when I started doing a lot of the painting, you know, I got in touch with him again. I had. Do you remember the '61 that I had, the Thunderbird? Uh, I, not not by name, at least. It was a baby blue car, and I had, I had just done my first top. You know, other than helping people, I finally did something, start to finish something, and I couldn't figure out colors. And you know, he gives me a call, and he says. Add the color you don't like. You know, add the color you don't like, and that's going to make everything pop. And, yeah, sure enough, the color orange makes everything pop. Huh. God, I, don't, I don't think I've seen that car. I'll send you some pictures of it. But yeah, I, I had that one. I, I had quite a few cars, quite a few cars I'd never finished. A lot that I didn't finish. A lot that I probably won't ever finish. <laughs> but I remember that Pontiac and... You know, hopefully, hopefully, if I don't sell it, uh, I'll finish it someday. Man, I I love that Pontiac. It's so rad. It's been really fun watching you you put that together. When you, uh, I remember you posted something about putting the the three piece window in the back of it. And oh, that's right, you found your thing already. Right? Fucking I, <laughs> I bought mine like a month I think before you put it in, but mine was in New Jersey. And it was just like an impulse buy. Someone listed it and like, all right, PayPal your money. I'll figure out how to ship it. It took like two years yeah. to get that thing off the East Coast. I just got it a few months <laughs> ago. In the meantime, your car is like, it's in. It looks great. It's finished. And I'm sitting here, my shit broken down, waiting for parts. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a nice car. Uh, I'm doing my thing to it, but it's all smoke and mirrors. It still needs a lot of work, at least to me. It looks great. Yeah, when I got it, you know, like every car I ever buy, I have buyer's remorse, like, immediately. <laughs> okay, I, I sold my T-Bird. I had no reason to sell it. I I actually shed a tear when I saw someone else drive off in that fucking thing. Yeah. And uh, I'd buy the Pontiac. It was, I had bought my house, and there was a bunch of boxes in the neighbor's uh, driveway. And one day, the boxes fall. We were, we were going out to go get some beer. And we go down the alley, and the boxes had fallen. Remember, George? That's when we saw that there was a 58-something under there. And Because I saw the taillights. Like, oh, fuck, that's a 58-something. If it was a four-door, I still would have bought it. But I wouldn't have gone as far as I have now. So I come back, and I kind of ask the lady, and she says, oh, I want $5,000. I was like, at that time, uh, not that I'm cheap, but I just bought the house. So I couldn't, mm -hmm. couldn't afford it. 
So her son, he was it was her his car, and uh, he got a job on an oil rig off in Louisiana, I believe. <laughs> and he was gone for a while, and his mom comes over one day and says, "Hey, David is never going to come back to that car." And I told her, you know, I don't have any money at the moment. And she says, can you give me a thousand bucks in payments? And I said, yeah, sure. Done deal. Wow. So I gave her 200 bucks that I had laying around. And, and I, I had just gotten a job offer to leave to Shanghai. I was working for Disney. And I said, fuck yeah, I'm going to sell my car. And I'm going to work on that. And I'm going to make a full-blown custom out of it. Like it is now, but it, it takes longer than than what you have in your mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I sold the Peaver and I regret it. I still regret it to this day. I bought the thing and it's like, fuck, I just bought a checkered taxi. That's what it looks like. <laughs> it has a Bel Air top. It's an ugly fucking car. And uh, yeah, little by little, man, I just started doing my thing. And, um, I told my brother, I want to chop it. I want to chop it because it has a tall roof. Mm-hmm. I wanted to look more like Paula. So one Saturday, I got home from work and got the thing, and yeah, it was chopped like a few days later. Yeah, it looks cool. It's a it's a hard top, right? Is it like a, originally a hard top? I forget. Yeah, it's originally a hard top. Yeah, my and, first chop was a four door post. <laughs> so many goddamn posts to cut. It took forever. Eventually, I cut them out. You still have What's that? You still have the car, right? Yeah, I I still have it. It's a it's a two door hardtop ish thing now. Like it doesn't have windows, but it doesn't have posts either. But yeah, that that took a lot longer than I expected. I chopped it when I was nineteen, twenty. Yeah. <laughs> so it yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, and I was working on it, and I chopped the rear window, and then I I called the glass guy, and he says, "I will never be able to make a rear window for this thing." Well, how's everyone else doing? And I thought about it. I like, fuck, I could do like a moon glow. Because mm-hmm. the moon glow had a plate in your glass. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. But, so I was talking to Custom Paul up in the Pongo and harassing him about some shit. And he says, hey, man, they're going to chop up a Ford or Buick. Do you want the rear glass? And at first I said, nah, what the hell did I need that for? I need the grill. I want the grill. Mm-hmm. So he said, I'm going to cut this fucking rear window out. I'm going to hold it. And I said, all right. So I ended up going to Solvang with the family. And I said, hey, see, he's right up the road. So I went up there, and yeah, man, it was a legit three-piece. And it got it for 200 bucks, I think. Yeah. And I thought, well, oh, it's going to be an easy thing. Just grabbed on. And, uh, I had to slice and dice that thing more than I did the top itself. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I, I still haven't figured out how I'm going to actually get mine in there. I think I want to bring the roof up yeah, a little yeah. bit and try and just lay it down. Yeah, because that's what I thought. I thought I was just going to pop it right on, but... To me, it looked like almost like a moon roof. Yeah. Like, cause the glass is huge. I ended up cutting mine down by three inches. Yeah, I was looking at and that. Then, yeah, then the corners. Yeah, it, it's you're in for a rough one if you're going to chop the glass down. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did. I still have a plexiglass windshield, and I did plexiglass uh, back window for a minute, but it, it never quite sat right. Like, I don't know if it's the curve of it or just that I was using, like, the, the OEM rubber on it. It just wouldn't hold it well it kept yeah. popping off at the corners so I, I decided oh yeah yeah I'm, I'm going back to glass so I, I I figure I got a little more flexibility with the three piece maybe I can 
cut it in between them and lean it a little. I don't know. But <laughs> they sure look cool. You know, and, and <laughs> I had just finished the car in the orange. And it, it, was a, it, it was the day before the Grand National. And me and my buddy, we stayed up till maybe midnight. And we were going to drive off at like 4 in the morning. And we were so wasted, man, that, that day. We were, we were painting and drinking, and 6 o'clock in the morning came around. The club had left, and fuck, we're late. So we go off, and we had just done all the pearl and the fades on it. We get to Pomona. And, but once we got off the freeway, I kept hearing the chatter. Hmm. And I kept telling my buddy George, like, what is that? What is that? He's like, ah, it's nothing. It's nothing. Because I, I ripped the carpet out. Mm-hmm. It was all moldy and ugly. So I ripped it out. I was like, well, maybe the carpet was covering the, the noise. You already had it. So we finally get to Pomona. And I pay the lady the 60 bucks. And for some fucking reason, I put it in park. Mm-hmm. I gave her my money. And she said, okay, here you go. Here's your ticket to get in. The car wouldn't move anymore. Jesus. So I, <laughs> like the right at the gate? Right at the gate, man. <laughs> and I was like, hey, let me get my money back so I can tow my car. And she's like, no, you already paid. So George gets out and he pushes it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to park it here. I'm going to figure something out. And I never really got to officially show the car. Huh? So hopefully for this year, <laughs> I can drive in. <laughs> Even if I have to tow it. Right. <laughs> But I, I'm hoping to change the color and do a bunch of other stuff. But like I said, man, I'm so fucking busy. I, I can't. It's rare for me to do something. Yeah. Do you see doing that as a as a finished car, or do you plan on just keeping it on the street? No, 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 no. I mean, I I would like to see it finished, but it's just I I feel it's one of those things where maybe someone else could take it the extra mile. Yeah. I put it up for sale and. I got a few offers. You know, the, the normal offers. Hey, can you take a dirt bike and 500 bucks? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah, too, man. <laughs> I put it up for sale, and you know, I, I get this little regret, take it down. And so now it's a bit, I don't know if you noticed on the old Instagram thing for a while, until I was told not to do it anymore, I would put people's cars up for sale. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. <laughs> like a, yeah. that Rivy 666 <laughs> thing went up for sale a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. So I put everyone's car for sale, and a lot of people started getting mad. It's just a joke. So now, when I really want to sell something, everyone just fucking laughs and LOLs. And, like, I'm serious, man. I could really use the money right now. And they're like, ah, but he's fucking around again. So I'm going to have to make another profile and start selling stuff if I do. But uh, and what I'm reaching for, uh, yeah, I would really love a nomad. Yeah. Would really like you remember the one that uh, there was a purple nomad with veiling down the side, and under the spear there was a there was a lace. Remember that one? Yeah, I believe it was painted by Carter and, and Walt. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is one of uh, uh, what's his face's pictures? Uh, Howard Gribble. Is that about right? No, I, I don't think it's a Gribble. But, oh, you know what? Yeah, there's one at a show. But there's one in the driveway, and Walt's dad's okay. and Paul is right to it. You know, if, if I can get my hands on a Nomad and do that to it, yeah, I think that's where I'll be done working on cars all together. <laughs> but I, I always get myself into these jams, you know, like um, right before I got the job offer to work at the studios, I got um, a gasser that I'm doing for a performance car grader. 
the I'm 55? doing now. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's the one I'm on now. And, of course, uh, Revy 666 Dustin, he's going to want his car painted the night before Grand National, like every year. <laughs> um, I got my girl's uh, Carmen Gear that I'll probably never finish. But she she has a, a 65 convertible. And, uh, fuck, there's, there's always something here. There's always a motorcycle. There's always custom cars at my house. Uh, and growing up, like I always see the Brunses, like, fuck, those guys must be the coolest people on the planet. You know, even the, today we're walking away from my son's soccer thing. And we're all tattooed. My girl's tattooed and the kids. And, and this kid starts following us. And, and his dad says, I know they look cooler than us, man, but you can't go home with them. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like I said, I thought the brothers were cool because they had all the cars stuff. Miguel was cool, and, and Evil Ed was cool. But nah, man, if you have if you see someone with custom cars and lowriders or motorcycles in their driveway, mm-hmm. leave them alone. They're probably pretty fucking tired. <laughs> you have no time for <laughs> Well, when do you think you're gonna get that '56 going? Oh man, yeah, I, I really did a number to myself now, like. I thought we we got Josie's car to a, po- a point where we could just drive it and have fun and work on other stuff. But we keep stuff keeps coming up, like we we blew her radiator the other day. I'm still putting the new one in there. Then I, I got a, a '59 Apache I've been working on. It was my neighbor's across the street. He passed away, so I bought that like his welders and all his tools off his off his daughter's. Um, yeah. So I've been I've been slowly putting that together. So I, I got a long driveway. My van's in the garage. 56 is in front of the garage door. Truck's behind that, and the 57's behind that. And I just got to get them out in order, I think. <laughs> so You see, it's a disease we got, man. We, we just can't say no to these things. Right, right. Yeah, um, back, yeah back in the hall carcasses of, like, I don't even know what kind of car it is, but it's an old car. It's cool. Right. And now uh, I'm being offered these things, like, get the fuck out of here. I ain't buying shit. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, we got to stop, and we got a Josie's got a fifty-seven Lincoln sitting at her mom's house, so we're we're overstocked with projects. What's that? It's it's a never-ending thing, right? Well, even when we say, like, "Yeah, this is the last one," and then that one car you don't need comes up, and like, "Oh yeah, I could use that." Right? Yeah, like the the Apache was kind of funny. Like it's that's a car I always thought I wanted. There was a guy uh, in the Boulevardos uh, memo who had a. He had a 58 uh, Chevy pickup, and it was just white. It was just, like, super plain. I think he painted it with a roller or something. And I remember just staring at that that thing like, fuck, that's so cool. Like, just a a car, you know, just something to drive, not a wild custom, nothing like that. And I thought about it for years. And when we moved in here, it was, like, parked in my neighbor's driveway. And uh, we talk a little bit. He saw the old cars. The person that lived in the house we're in now used to also, uh, he worked at a junkyard. He built, like, uh, Camaros and stuff like that. He was, like, the neighborhood car guy. And so yeah. we talk a little bit. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I backed out the truck one day. I crunched the door. I can't get it to open anymore. I stopped working on it. So it's like, oh, yeah, well, let's let's get it going, man. Pull it out of the driveway. We'll get this thing fixed. It's no big deal. I'll find you a set of doors. We can fix it. He was like, oh, cool, cool. But, you know, at that point, his health was going, like, straight down pretty much as soon as we moved in. Then he passed away. And I was just sitting and looking at this thing in the – in his driveway for months and it was just sitting 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 no one was coming by looking at the house like his kids he has two daughters they live kind of far away and i was just like every day and in the meantime we bought that lincoln <laughs> um 
Yeah. So we were like stuffed on cars. And then they came over one day, like, yeah, you still want the truck? Like, just make me an offer and it's yours. So I, how, how do you pass it up, you know? Like, I get to finish my neighbor's project. And it was like a neighborhood truck. Like, everyone in the neighborhood knows it. They they used to take people to go, you know, drop stuff off at the dump in it or go pick up furniture with it. So, like, I walk around the neighborhood now. People ask if I got Bill's truck going. And so it's, you know, I got to... I gotta keep that part of the neighborhood alive. I couldn't. Sh- I couldn't turn it down. But my God, I couldn't take another project either. It's shit. You're a better man than I am. I would have said no. Yeah. <laughs> I I got it now. It'll be cool. It'll be my Batmobile. I'm excited, but <laughs> just one yeah. too many projects. So the '56 will get going eventually. I've always, I've always told myself like if I have to wait until I'm like in my 40s or 50s to build like a nice show car, like the one that I've always wanted out of it, it's worth it. You know, it's. It's the vision I had when I was 16, but I'll get to it eventually. Yeah, I want to get to the point where I can, like I said, own a, a Nomad or a Starliner and a Corvette. If I have those three, I promise, and you guys can hold me this to the world, I will never work on another car. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, I'm sure we'll keep dragging everything we find. Yeah, yeah I, I think I'm at capacity. I can't imagine. I guess maybe you get rid of something. I'm not any good at that. I think I've sold three cars and I've regretted every single one. It's like watching them go away is the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> you don't find them like you used to anymore. I remember yeah. when I was a kid, you can go down any street yeah. and you'll find a 59 or a 60 or 65, whatever. You you name it, just go into certain neighborhoods. You're going to find them. It's dried up now. Yeah. And sadly, what you see at shows now, people they hack these things up. I mean, I got nothing wrong or against um uh, suspension modification, mm-hmm. hydraulics or airbags. But if you're going to do them, do them right, you know, because if you don't, these cars end up sitting at the back of shops or being sold or junk or taken apart. And, you know, by the time my kids get old enough, there's not going to be anything left. Yeah. <laughs> God, I, I was looking at car stuff on uh, Reddit recently, and it, I think the, the crowd there is like a bit younger than, than I am. It's so weird seeing him talk about classic cars from the 90s. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> this is what everyone in my high school drove, and no one wanted it, and it wasn't cool. What was Reddit? Like another like a social media thing? Oh, yeah, sort of. I guess it's it started as like a news-sharing thing. There's like little like forums, like little communities. Oh, okay. You know what I wouldn't mind coming back is the ability you can't, I mean, a lot of people are like, ah, that's dumb, that's stupid, you know. But the scene today exists because of the build scene. Yeah. That's what we saw growing up, you know. Like the ZZ Top 34, you know, cars, in, like like the Boyd cars. They were cool. yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the mini trucks, all the chop mini trucks with built wheels. That stuff was cool. You know, and there's a guy in Australia right now that, I forget his name. But he, he painted a 66 Impala or Caprice, and he bought these billet wheels. It has a full lowrider paint job, modern-style lowrider paint job. And he bought these billet wheels and rollers just to get the car around to and, and from. And he polished the wheels, and I, I tell him, like, dude, that style is totally 90s. You, you know, and it's a thing me and uh, Dustin have been talking about. Like, it was really cool, but our club isn't about that, and... You know, if Willie hears this, I don't care what you think. But yeah, I think the whole, the, you know, Billet Wheels thing would be really cool. I've, I've been trying to convince uh, 
Revy to put those on his car, but he won't do it. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I, I'll sit there. What's, what's that? I, I'm not sure if I'm going to sign on with the, the cool billet wheels, but I will agree that that, that era, like, I've always said Cadzilla is one of the most important customs because it kept it alive through that whole patch uh, where traditional customs weren't being built. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad those guys were around and keeping the car shows going where otherwise, I mean, sort of like now, I think we're in like a custom car trough right now. Like there's a few of us building mm-hmm. stuff who really care about it, but shows have shrunk a lot. And there's there's a lot fewer shows up here at least. Yeah, you know, out here, we there's something to do every weekend in in Los Angeles, but it's the same thing. You know, no one's no one's changing anything. And I, I like I told uh, Ruby, you should really put the billet wheels on. It may it might spark something. And he says, no, it's going to spark fucking hatred. As much as I like it too, it's going to spark hatred. I was like, yeah, but there's a reason why our, our the the scene today. Because at one point you got to admit, like I tell everyone else, customs were dead. Yeah. You know. To the general population, mm-hmm. not to us, but it might spark something. He said, "No, no, no." I don't know. If you remember um, Pearl Jam from Lifestyle Country Club? Mm-mm. It was a like a raspberry pink Riviera. Before that car was Lifestyle, it belonged to Butch. That was, I believe, from New Life. Butch died, and I'm not too sure about the history, but I believe. The, the club died with him, and then they started a lifestyle from that. But the car stayed within that small group. So Albert, the guy who owns it now, in the 90s, you know, Custom Rotter was a place to see cool cars with billet wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, he put the car in the magazine, and this is supposed to – that car is the legendary, you know, Butch car, the Riviera. He put billet wheels on it. He still had the hydraulics, and he slammed them in. It looked like a hot rod rake. And uh, I believe it got him in trouble with that club because he put in the article that he's from Lifestyle Customs. Hmm. And I, I found the magazine recently. It's like, to me, that is fucking cool. You know, before anything today, you had the billet stuff. And like you said, you probably won't sign on to that, but <laughs> I think it would be pretty cool to pace. That, the psychedelic paint jobs. I wish those would come back more. Yeah. I, I wish, like, someone would just kind of bite the bullet and say, okay, yeah, do something crazy. You know, like, like the stuff that were him, everything from NorCal and, and the East Coast. But now everyone's stuck on just metal flaking tops and doing fans and endless learning, which is cool. But come yeah. on, man, let's switch it up. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing a lot more people building like really, really, really subtle customs, like focusing more on metal finishing, um, you know, replacing panels without doing it the hack way that we used to, where you just weld and bondo and like stick round rod in instead of rolling a fender edge. It's a uh, yeah, bondo was thin, man. <laughs> I mean, like Roth stuff was made of it, right? <laughs> remember yeah, the, it's made of the same thing. Like I remember people telling me that you look at the outlaw one side at a time because it's not the same. <laughs> but I part of me wishes that people just get a little wild and take a sawzall to their to their cars more often. I mean, that was the most exciting thing about you know, like the early two thousands, like going to Paso, seeing customs in progress. In fact, your your Pontiac really reminded me of that because you'd show it with like 
you know, with the the headlights like tacked in of a different color, like on the street moving. That's the sort of stuff that really got me excited in the first place. Yeah, yeah, that's the stuff we remember growing up. And when I went out, went up to went out to go see Paul, we always talk about the same stuff, and he always brings it up. The internet has ruined everything in the custom scene. Yeah. In the custom scene, in the low rider scene, because back then we we had it, but not enough. We had, uh, of course, we had the ham, and then we had lay it low and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the time, we couldn't work the computers anyways. <laughs> but right. the, these shows would make us excited to go meet and greet and like, oh fuck! Now you French the headlights. Now you chop the top. You know, it, it kept it, it kept the the flame alive. Yeah, like you exactly. you could go. In, you know, and now it's like I can do it better than you, or I can do this and I can do that, and it, it's it's completely killed the whole social part, right? You know, of, of society itself, and as far as custom cars, because yeah, now I don't care what the hell you're doing in your car; you got to go on your page and see it, and not talk to you, right? It's a another thing I've always you know me becoming an old man complaining about things. Uh, you may, I remember like neighborhood cars or like cars you'd see at a gas station where they weren't like a real custom and maybe they had shaved door handles or something like oh my god this is the coolest thing in the world because it's right in front of me now and i didn't expect it it was, it was totally yeah. different yeah and, and that, like i said back then you had who else and who was the leader of the yaki yaks rick Rindle, the pinstriper of all of all people <laughs> I, when i was here we had just moved into this neighborhood and i remember we were making a, a left into our street and there was a a 53 Victoria, old guy, smoking a cigarette, with a Pomodoro, probably weighed 90 pounds of wet. And I remember looking <laughs> at the window and with this guy. This guy was so fucking cool. You know, my dad at that time still had the, he had a 60 Pontiac, 66 Impala, and 70 Riviera. So I was always around all this stuff from the shop. and But that guy had a certain look. You know, he had the look of, I'm not going to say Martin Brando, but he just looked like a total fucking badass. You know, so when we started going to all these shows, I remember, uh, I'm sorry, and I'm staring at him, and he turns to look at me, and he, he just gives me a thumbs up, and he's like, oh, fuck, I want to be that guy. <laughs> I, I want to be the fucking deadbeat in the old custom car. <laughs> <laughs> so when we started going to all these punk rock shows in, in Toluca Lake and hanging out with the car crowd, you had Dan Collins. Dan Collins had the look, man. He was rock Billy all the way. <laughs> you know, he had the the creepers. He had the hair. He he was like the role model, like not the role model. What what, what word am I looking for? Archetype. <laughs> but yeah, he was a poster boy of what you should fucking <laughs> look like. And then <laughs> and then you, uh, you you get into hanging out with him and talking to him, and then you realize, well, fuck, you know, the, the cramps live in our fucking town. Like we, we make fun of the rockabillies, but fuck, there's a little bit of Teddy Boy and everybody here in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. Because you had all the clothes, you had Dead Bowl, you had the Crams. And it wasn't rockabilly, it was a certain look, you know, that, that the whole scene had. And I, I made a comment the other day. You know how everything in, in over the past two, three years has become, do you have to look like an 80s cholo, the whole gangbang thing? Yeah. You know, that, that's a whole cool thing now. And I made a comment the other day. This stuff wouldn't exist if Lux was still alive. You know, but, you know, that's me being stuck in the old ways. 
I really wish Lux was still alive because <laughs> you, you, you can go to these shows and these bars, and that was the place to go see custom cars. You know, all the cool guys, all the all the customizers. They were my age at that time, and they would sneak you into these bars, and you're fucking sitting there watching Deadbolt or the Cramps or the local punk rock bands, and you know that was that was on top of my world when I was a kid, man. I involved myself 100. percent Yeah, it's a shame people don't get to experience that in the same way now. Like everything's planned out, you know where you're going, how you're gonna get there. You got directions like immediately, you know who's there before you show up. No, I see back then. You were lucky you got the flyer maybe two days before the event. Right, right. I remember seeing flyers and making a weekend around it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can go to this place and uh, after Toluca Lake or after going to the shows in Hollywood and escaping that, you come to Burbank, and Burbank has this long strip of bars at that time before it got too expensive where any kid in, you know, 15, 14 that looked apart was let in. Right. They just told you don't drink, don't don't pick up a beer, and you can't, you won't get thrown out. That that's what made it fun back then because you can spend two days out of the weekend, Friday and Saturday, and completely recover for Sunday, and you know it was always a welcoming scene. Like even back then, you could see Robert Williams at these shows. You see Robert Williams with before he painted his roadster and. You ask the crowd now, like, who Robert Williams or Dan Collins or Miguel Sarate, who are these guys? Yeah, they're not going to tell you. That sucks because social media has has become a soapbox to make everybody famous and popular. Where they don't care how much customized or how much paint you do. You know, give me a like and that's good enough for me. Right. So, I mean, it'd be really cool if, if you know, there was a show where he took back to the roots of things. Well, at least our roots after the billet thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were, we were just talking about this, how many shows have shut down up here in Northern California. It used to be something every weekend. There was a couple years where, when we were vending, like for our, for our shop, we'd do something Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday throughout the summer. And now we're just yeah. really down to the big ones. There's like billet proofs, a smaller show up here. But I, it's really hard to think of anything else. Well, you see, I'm, I'm right now. I'm saying like we should do this, we should do that. But <laughs> now we, we we try to focus on one thing. We used to do Moon Eyes. Yeah, I love Moon Eyes. I, I used to, I I had been going to that show when it was still at the Sheriff's Academy. You know, and before people say, ah, "Fuck the police!" Like, nah, man, we're fucking. These guys are letting us drink in their parking lot. <laughs> and then we moved out to Irwindale. You know, but it's just, it's gotten such too much attention, which is all right. You know, they're making their money, but they're letting anything in now. You, you remember back then, flyers still had no Volkswagens allowed. Remember that? Right. I don't know how it was up north, but you know, down here, it would always, you know, because the Volkswagen seems weird. Yeah, yeah, the Vols- Volkswagen people, you know, they're just weird people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back then... You had a handful of cars, and now, which is cool because the scene is growing, but they're not taking care of the people who are making the scene. It's more money, 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 and look what what that became. You know, the the show shut down, and there's not a venue that'll host it. I don't know if you guys ever come down for Moon Eyes, but yeah, they they canceled it all together for this year. So now, 
Jeez. Yeah, it's been 10 years ago, I think. It's been a while. Oh, yeah, then you saw it when it was, you know, it was really cool fucking prime. But, yeah, now, now we, we try to focus on Grand National. Yeah. You know, when I, when I joined the club, uh, going on five years now, when I joined the club, I, I told Dustin, I want to join, but with the, with the, let's make ourselves a little bit bigger. Not bigger and make ourselves better than everyone else, but let's focus on something. Let's put our eye on a prize for something. So that that's what we try to do for every year is do the Grand National thing. If I could do something like those two Rivieras every year, you know, that, that would be so cool. Yeah. We just, you know, you got to get some people on the same page or financial or their kids, which is understandable. Fuck, I'm almost 40 now. Yeah, but I still feel like I'm 16 and I work like I'm 16. But it takes its toll. But Grand National for us, that, that that's that's our day. You got people from New York coming out, people that I you know I really really consider family. And, you know, but I really hit the local shows. Yeah, I think to me Pomona is like one of the last big car shows. I'd like to say it's Autorama up here, but Autorama's stuff that you saw at, at Pomona what, a month or so before. It's Grand National is like what's what's left. It's a great show. It's huge. Uh, it's yeah. for me too bad it's so far away. But and you, you guys have really made a big impression out there. I mean, when you when you walk into that custom room, you can't. I mean, like the 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 Rivies there, uh, Jimmy's car is there, Roger's car. It's like, you guys made a huge show in there last time we were there. Yeah, yeah, and it felt great. And and I always you know, after that we we had a meeting about it. And, we would really like to take up at least half of them, you know, but money keeps a lot of us from pursuing, you know, grand national, but it's a, it's a goal. At some point it'd be really cool, you know, to show the club all together in one hall, and especially since, uh, Willie from New York and cheater, Mike out of Cleveland and Roger, they're, they're on board. You know, they like the idea, you know, there was, a, you know, when I first mentioned it, there's, there's a lot of people not into it. You know, because I had shown there before. And uh, when I first finished the wagon, and then I did that Bronco for Flintstone. And that thing like, is so we can <laughs> he, I, I really wish he'd finish that thing. He, he needs to do the striping and uh, a few other things. But uh, well, I had shown there. And I, I always explained to Dustin. Dustin's always open to ideas. You know, and that's how I convinced him to do the, the car in there and the re. But, yeah. You know, just trying to get people on the same page, you know, dates and family. You, you just can't interfere with that point. And uh, uh, hopefully, you know, uh, we get that, that Chrysler in there. And that's from another club that just started called Genocide. And I've been friends with him for just over 20 years. Huh. But I really wish he would just wait to show it at the show. <laughs> yeah. He's enjoying it. I mean, it's, it's, it's coming, but he's enjoying it. God, I'm just looking at a calendar. I can't believe it's November next week. So the the push for GNRS is really starting now, huh? Yeah, if you didn't start last month, yeah, you're you're not gonna make it, man. <laughs> you're not make it I mean, you can because when we did the Riviera, the '67, '66, yeah, '66, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when we did that, we did that in 30 days, start to finish, Crazy. 27 days. We started right after Christmas. We still show up late. 
and we still send the send our registration in. No, we we email the registration, and they had just already closed the books for like a month. And uh, yeah, but luckily they liked it. They let us in. And... <laughs> yeah, the, the the morning up, man. We have to be there at like six a.m. We end up showing like three p.m. <laughs> it's a thrash, man. It's a thrash that I enjoy and I, I really like. Yeah. So, like I said, every year, hopefully every year. So maybe you should consider doing the fifty-six. Yeah, yeah. One of one of these <laughs> days. I'm really. I keep like I'm looking at that new that windshield. Just like, oh man, just take a weekend and start messing with it. But I, I'm so bad. Like I'll get like total tunnel vision on one pro- part of a project, and then I'll get frustrated with it, and then I won't like it, and then I'll not touch it for like another year or so. It's I gotta like focus on getting that truck out, and then after that, I'll figure out what's next. But yeah, fifty six would be fun. No, yeah, like it's all the time. You know, everything takes time. And I see what I see now is, is a lot of customers being rushed. Yeah. And uh, ever since uh, Zochi died, that's one thing that kept everybody on their toes for these big shows. There's the Agostino Zochi rivalry. Remember that? Mm-hmm. He built one. He built one. And I think things things were really cool back then. Yeah, I guess it's up to us to step up and fill that void. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? But I, what, I don't know. Were things easier back then? Because I can't even find time to breed sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like they must have been. I mean, it, yeah, the housing goes up. Wages stay the same. It's got to. It has to be harder now. I mean, you, you used to be able to make a living yeah. swinging a hammer and be able to buy a house. No, not not, not anymore, man. Yeah, not anymore. Well, the lady two doors down from me. Just made a living space out of her garage, and she's getting thirty three hundred a month for it. Holy shit! Wow. Back then, thirty three hundred bucks could buy you at least ten cars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, <true>. <laughs> <laughs> That's a small block rebuild and some change, man. Right. Like even that now, like the mechanical stuff, and you know, a lot of people are trash talking. You know, the the LS swaps and it's like, man, if that thing can get you down the road reliably, and Screw tradition to a certain degree, man. <laughs> you still run points. Yeah, I, I I got points and everything still, but I I have completely given up on judging other people for making their car reliable. You know, I've I've spent my time on the side of the road, and I know what I know, and I know what I like. But God, <laughs> if an LS gets you there, go for it. No, yeah, like I'll tell anybody, even whoever listens to this, anyone that has a three ninety four and you running, I can make it run. Because yeah. these boards have made me a great mechanic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it. like we, we took my wife's 57 up to the Grand Canyon right after we painted it. And the, the carb went out when we got up. When you go up to the Grand Canyon, you go like straight uphill for like an hour. And then you stop, yeah. you level out at this like landing up there where they've got restaurants and hotels. And there's a gate uh, to get into the Grand Canyon. So we're going up that hill. It levels out. It starts dumping gas everywhere. It stalls out. We end up pushing it in front of this like really expensive steakhouse, and the the float sunk. So we were you know sixteen, seventeen hours from home. So I just fuck it. I got a cab from the Grand Canyon to Flagstaff and back. I bought a a brand new Edelbrock carb down at Napa in Flagstaff. Put it on in the parking lot. Uh, you know. Open it, dry everything out, start it up. We drove it home. You know, it's 
Some people like reliability, and some people are just used to dealing with bullshit. But I, I guess I'm just used to it. No, yeah, I was stuck on points forever. I bragged like, "Oh, I'm the best fucking dude to do set points." <laughs> <laughs> Once I got Petronics in that '61 that I had, yeah. I will never in my life find a set of points. Actually, the, the '57 has a Petronics in it. That's right. So that one's still got it, and it's the most reliable. So there's probably something to that. See, I used to get, remember I used to carry them boxes of points and just stand them. All right, set them. All right, let's go. It's only going to get you where you need to go, and you got to reset them again. Right. <laughs> the stuff was built better back then. Maybe that's why they, they run points like this. Nowadays, it's all crap. Could be, man. I got when I when I bought out uh, my my neighbor who had the truck. When I bought his his tools off his kids, um, he was a welder. And man, I, like I own my first set of Snap On tools that I've ever had because they they came out of yeah. his buckets. And man. Like everything's nice. Like the snap-on wrenches have these little knurled things, so you could turn them by hand. Um, everything's yeah. made in America. Everything still works. All the like the bearings are still good on everything. All the the actions on like the crescent wrenches are nicer than they are now. I think it's just a, a quality thing from back then. Yeah, and then you buy new. I'm with the truck. I'm going through all this stuff again for the first time. Like buying yeah. new. Uh, you know, a new master cylinder or shit like that. And instead of going to the parts store, I have to go to like rock auto or something. Cause no one can sell anything in person anymore. And now it's just cheap garbage. And it's like, maybe this will make it six months. It's just totally different. It's a, what? It's, it's just all very disposable. Yeah. Well, we had around here, we had a uh, Tampa auto parts and there was a guy named Keith there. Old man Keith. It was missing a tooth, and it would whistle away he would talk. <laughs> he was one of those last guys that anything you needed, even if you walked in with a part, yeah, he knew exactly what it was. You didn't take, you didn't let him know make, model, or nothing. You walked in with a greasy part, and he could tell you exactly what it was. And that, that's the type of crowd we're losing. With the painters and the customizers, like the old school crowd, man, like, you don't get that anymore. And then anything you needed, he can find it. Give him an hour. And he'll have it at your fucking door. Yeah. And I, I remember going and, to part stores where they were like, I don't have that, but if we stick these two things together, I think it'll work. You know, like, you don't get that at all anymore. Yeah, you're losing all that knowledge. And then you're just, they're closing the vocational schools. Yeah. Where you go learn to paint and weld and do whatever. And they're, they're making everyone just stuck on YouTube now. Now, yeah. if you ask anyone how to fix something, Ah, just look it up on YouTube. It's yeah. like, no, man, you got to use your hands. You got to use your hands to do this type of thing. And hopefully my kids kind of get that instilled in them too. Yeah. That's like yesterday we, we took them out to Formoso uh, to go watch the drag races, something I've been doing since I was a kid. And my oldest wasn't about it until the end of the day when he started seeing the actual funny cars come out and, cackling in his face he's getting nitro in his eyes you know they're gasping for air and my girl's like oh are they, they're gonna get sick it's like no nah, man this is it's called a baptism once you get nitro <laughs> down your room <room." laughs> you need that type of stuff you know I, I try to involve them as much as i can but you know how the story goes once you have a kid they're not going to be into what you're into right and hopefully they, they're into painting as much as I do. They they seek it and they know it, but 
Yeah, they they better, if if I don't get my nomad soon, they better become lawyers or some shit and buy me my <laughs> nomad. You, you know, it was cool back then when we were learning how to paint and do the metal flake, and we weren't learning; we were just fucking up everything. <laughs> you know, because there was no rule book that you couldn't find all these books that they have now, or you didn't have companies. Now you could find a hundred companies to sell you metal flake. Yeah, you know, a hundred companies to sell you candies. And, now they tell you how to do things. You, I remember House of Color; it had no no instructions. Yeah, yeah. You know nothing. You bought the stuff, and if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, that's your fucking problem. <laughs> right. It's it, it easier now. I remember you you had to go to someone's backyard and buy metal flake off him because <laughs> you know, there wasn't a store for it. There wasn't an online anything. Right. Well, I think up until the early 2000s the company called old school flake like held a copyright or something on metal flake so you couldn't sell it under that name oh yeah that's right and it used to come in little boxes it became in a box like an eight track tape it had a little plastic bag inside yeah every, every, i'm not that old you know i'm sadly i'm under the label of millennial because i was born in 82 but i grew up around the old school guys you know where you had to go seek you had to go find it you had to go barter. You had to tell them, I'll do this for you if you give me this. Um, I still have, you know who Ted Wells is? Oh, God. The name's familiar. He, he's, he's like the guru of air, all hydraulics. Okay, okay. He, he does a lot of stuff for professionals out in L.A., whatever. Mm -hmm. And I still have uh, four bags of original flake that he used to make and sell them. Wow. And it's a whole different cut, different chop. It's not like it's, it's just a weird cut. And it, 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 I'm just one of those things, I'm going to save that for like the the old school of old school paint jobs. If I ever find time for it. That's funny. I, my, uh, I had a friend in my hometown uh, when I was younger. He, he was like the, the car guy in town. There weren't a lot of other people there. This kid Kyle. And I talked to him about flaking. I had this this chopped ranchero at the time, 63. And I wanted to flake the roof really bad. I'd never done it before. And he's like, all right, yeah, but I got something. He had this jar of, like, the real, like, you know, 70s metal flake. It was all sorts yeah. of different colors, like browns and purples and greens and stuff. And I thought back then, that's how you get, like, the rainbow look. Like, okay, cool, cool. And so I, I took it out. Uh, we He had a shop, like, right on the other side of the Altamont. And we painted it there and that old flake does not pop at all like it looked yeah. like glitter yeah. but had no no sparkle to it whatsoever it was just big and thick and it laid flat i think it was square it was weird we, we ended up redoing it um yeah it i was so disappointed like it was like we got the real stuff you know but it turns out the new polyester no. stuff's better <laughs> yeah the old stuff sucks man yeah. <laughs> it sucks it's it there it, it doesn't sparkle uh, it doesn't do what it claims. It's yeah, you know, it's when you see a lot of these guys nowadays saying old school this and old school that, and it's like, well, lacquer never shined right. like acrylic, right? So you can't say old school there. Uh, oh, old school style flake, your flake sparkles. That's not old school. Right. But no, no, no. Yeah, they don't do their homework. They open up a magazine, any Barris car or any Balon car, you're going to see swirl marks. You're going to see mm -hmm. scratch marks. Like, well, it was experimental. 
Look at the Everything fades on perfect. Roth stuff. It's not good. Those weren't easy to spray. I mean, it, it's not even. It's got like little, you know, it's got little like circle spots all over it where they started and stopped. It, it used to be yeah. really hard. Yeah. So so now when I see stuff like that, I was like, see, that's raw. That that's fucking cool. You know, these yeah. guys, yeah, they're making mistakes and they're not looking for you to praise their mistakes. But yeah, that to me that looks old school. That's pretty cool. Right. A for effort. You know, you, you're doing it. Or to me, one of the best painters out there, and he did few, he didn't do many, was um, Dick Jackson. Yeah, Dick Jackson. You had you had Larry Watson that did start. He did kick it off. You can't take it away from that guy. You had Larry Watson. You had uh, Joe Anderson. Uh, what else did you have back then? A few that skipped me at the moment, but you had those two guys. You know, those guys did set it off. But to me. One of the first lowrider paint jobs, it was 100% lowrider, is uh, Dick Jackson. He did a, a 59 in Puma. He had blue panels and fades. And the thing just looked flawless. You know, and I think, to me, it kicked off from there. No, see, those, those were old 50-style paint jobs. Those were panel jobs. But that, that Dick Jackson 59 had that look, you know? It, 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 there's so many jobs out there that you can just copy and they're really cool, but everyone's so stuck on changing the wheel. Oh, shit. <laughs> I just looked over the clock. We've got a lot of editing to do, man. Yeah. A lot of bleeps. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, but I guess, is there anything from uh, from the shop you want to talk about? Or uh, like anything you want to, like any projects you're excited about or anything like that coming up? Oh, I still have that 70 Impala that I've yet to finish. Um, that I I was planning on moving out of the shop and bringing it home, but I still have a bunch of fades I got to do. I still got the whole driver's side to do. Um, and hopefully I can get that done by the end of this year. As far as anything big projects, not really, man. I, I, I started working for Fox and they've taken up the majority of my time. I, I really wish I could build up the name a little bit more, but, but it, it became... I, I made my hobby into my chore, you know? Yeah. But if there's there's anyone that wants to jump on an old school thing and has patience, yeah, I'll, I'll do it, man. Other than that, finish the 58, you know, buy myself a Nomad and never do cars again. <laughs> <laughs> the only we are doing, we're going to paint um, Reeve's car one more time and hopefully he takes care of it at this time. <laughs> we're going to... I want to do, you remember, um, what's his name? Gary from Texas. What's his name, George? He did, um, remember that, that 50 Impala? It's from Texas. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. We, we want to, we, I want to do the car in, like, full, yeah, full Abalone, uh, like, but actual, not flake, pure Abalone, uh, uh flake itself. Mm-hmm. On that corner, so it'll be white and maybe. Well, right now the paint job's just in base coats, but if we can do it from start to finish in base and clear, yeah, we can do that. I want, I want to get that done. And oh, you know what we do have too? A cool project that we're doing is a, a '67 Cadillac from a member of ours in our club that we Hollywood top and chop the windshield. So right. that should be done for the national. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Mike Young, 60 and Punga. That's the style I'm going with on Reeves Carver's team. But other than that, man, like the work has left very little time for the shop. And, and the kids getting older and they're in sports and they got a dad that is not active in just about anything that's not paint. So just trying to be that. And hopefully, yeah, we get more projects in at some point. Right on. I, I just looked up that, that Impala you're talking about. That is red. It's got a very like a custom rudder feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we want to keep it in that style. Cool. Like early 90s. I mean, you could put billets on that thing, and it'll still look cool. So I just got to convince a few people it'll look cool. <laughs> <laughs> right, man. That'll be cool. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for, for taking your time and, and talking to me. I know you're busy, so I really appreciate it. No, thanks for uh, hitting me up and letting me speak a few words and have a good time with you. Right on. Yeah, like I said, I was I was always hoping to make this happen in per, in person. Maybe we'll do a part two or something someday. Yeah, you got any more questions? And fuck, I can probably get more organized this time around. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, man, it was cool talking to you. Right on, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, you have a great one, man. Good talking to you. All right, there it was. Episode 23. Thank you so much, Ralph, for your time. And thank you guys for listening. Man, this was such a, a blast to record. I know the audio is not great. I got a new uh, home studio thing set up. And I'm trying to make this work for uh, for phone calls so I can get away from being stuck to just doing these interviews in person. As much as I love that, a lot has changed in the past year or so that makes that really difficult. Uh, my, my job has gotten a lot crazier than it was before. Uh, my wife is doing a new treatment for MS, which sort of knocks out a big chunk of, of the year for us to, to deal with that. And it's just sort of harder to to get around and travel these days. So I'm really grateful that I still have an opportunity to to do the podcast uh, with the setup that I have. So I'm hoping to start cranking these out again. <laughs> it's uh, it's such an interesting thing to to sit and have a conversation, and uh, then for me to go back and listen to it over and over and over and try and cut this as best that I can. Uh, what, <laughs> whether or not it seems like it, there's quite a bit of work that goes into editing these to clean up the audio. And man, one thing that really sticks out, it's been a minute since I've sat down and listened to myself talk uh, like this for a long period of time. And uh, God, one thing that I do that really bugs me, and I hope it doesn't bug you guys too much, but I find myself, um, when when something gets mentioned, something really specific, car, painter, uh, builder, something like that, every time I hear myself, uh-huh, uh-huh, like going along, whether I know the answer or not, like whether I am mater- uh, familiar with uh, what they're talking about or not, that's not enough. And I'm really not doing my job as a host by just letting that go. Like each each time something like that gets brought up, when I listen to it the second time around, I kick myself like, oh man, that was a great opportunity to learn something or, or to at least to get this information out to people who might not know what the hell we're talking about. So I apologize for that. And it's a uh, and something I really want to improve about myself. One weird thing about doing a podcast is you really, um, it really allows a lot of room for introspection because you hear yourself talking about things that you know you know and things that you care about. And if you're not able to fully communicate those, it makes you uh, step back and and think a little harder about this. Um, over the the past year or so, um, you know, I've I've gotten older. I, I, I'm on some meds that make my memory and my recall not great. In fact, it's one of my big hesitations in picking up the podcast again, is knowing that you know my my memory is just it's just not as awesome as I'd hope it could be. 
And uh, I'm uh, a little embarrassed, I have to say, coming back in and uh, not having my memory be right where I'd, I'd hope that it was. But I'm going to try to take that uh, that ignorance and uh, the the curiosity and not run from it, but make that a part of this podcast. I want to answer those questions. I want to ask the questions that fill in the blanks so you guys have a fuller and better idea of what we're talking about, because these details are so important. And uh, every time I remember to dig a little deeper, I always find something cool. So uh, I feel like I was able to do that at least somewhat on this one. And I will continue to try harder to to do a better job of that. I also want to uh, thank uh, a listener, uh, Dirtbird Customs on Instagram, for reaching out and uh, and seeing where I was at with the podcast. Ralph is actually one of the, the people that he brought up, like like I said before, I have had him on my uh, on my list of people to interview since the very beginning. So uh, thank you guys. Uh, thanks thanks to everyone who's been supportive of doing the show. Uh, I am I am really excited to be picking this back up. Anyways, that's it. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. On the uh, you know I still haven't come up with a closing closing uh, statement. I I think the most tempting thing here is just to cut it off.